Get her out of here. No! Willa, go! Go! Greetings, everyone. This is Rico, and you're listening to this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi, podcast 375 for March the 11th, 2012. And that was a little TV spot trailer for the new movie from Disney uh, called John Carter, which I got to see uh, a couple of days ago, and I'll be talking about on this week's edition of the show. We're also going to look at a classic TOS episode. They're all classic, aren't they? (laughs) Even Spock's brain is a classic TOS episode. We're going to look at the episode from early in season two called Who Mourns for Adonis? I I like this one. It's, uh, It's one that I've seen a lot, really, over the years. I think I've seen this one more than a lot of, uh, TOS episodes for some reason. I don't know why, but uh, but anyway, that one's the it's the one about gods, Greek gods, and things like that, and Apollo and everything, and the hand grabbing the Enterprise. If that rings any bells, so that's going to be coming up on today's show. Uh, talk about some movies, TV, and other things. Uh, lots of stuff, really, and uh, I think that's it for the preview and intro. And uh, let's play some a little bit of intro music, and and then we'll get uh, to the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Treks in Sci-Fi podcast. Scotty, beat me up. Fascinating. Stand by to receive our transmission. Okay, welcome to the show, everyone. I feel a little, a uh, little stiff, a little tired this morning. I, um, you know, this uh, weekend in the United States, in most of the United States, I should say, except for a couple of uh, oddball states. Yes, uh, some places that don't do daylight savings time, but most of the country uh, had to spring forward an hour. So we're all feeling a little probably tired this morning more than usual. Although some people Maybe, you know, not if you slept in. I tried to get up more or less the time I would normally got get up uh, on a weekend, usually seven-ish, you know, or whatever. But uh, so I feel like I've got like an hour less sleep, but um, not really that bad. I don't, you know, I think, I don't know anyone who thinks daylight savings time is a good idea anymore. I don't, I don't understand why we still bother with it. Uh, I don't get it at all. I mean, you know, this talk that it used to be because of farming, you know, I mean, okay, who cares what time the clocks say? Get up an hour earlier or whatever. You can get up and do whatever you need to do chore-wise. I, I just, you know, people had said, oh, that gave them an extra hour of daylight. How, how does that work? It doesn't give you an extra hour of daylight. The sun comes up and has the same amount of time in the sky wherever you happen to live. You know, it shifts depending on where you're located on the Earth over, you know, because Earth's at a tilt and all that, you know. But, I mean, it's like I don't 
get it. I don't get it at all. And and these days, you know, think of all the programming on computers and other devices that have to deal with daylight savings time. It's just stupid. It is stupid. I, if someone out there listening, send me an email, treksf at gmail.com, if you can give me one good reason, not only why we still do it, but why we ever did it. I, I just do not understand it. So there's my my rant on daylight savings time. And I just got to go around the cl- house and, and set all these clocks, which is annoying. But uh I, I don't know. It's just it's just silly. And I and I know my wife, who's a teacher, Lynn, is gonna just uh, this week. She's gonna say her students are even more tired because of this. You know, there's uh, there. It's just I don't know. Okay, so we've we've I've spent two minutes or show whatever of the show of uh, talking about daylight savings time, which is ridiculous. Okay. Uh first thing I think the let's cover movies. I because it, it's fresh in my mind, and, and I played the trailer for it. John Carter. John Carter. Obviously, this is a this project. I think uh, uh, doing a uh, a project about John Carter of Mars uh, from the Edgar Rice Burroughs books that were written a long, long time ago has been on, off again, off again, on again at various studios. I'm not even up on all the history of it, but I know that I've heard them talk about a John Carter movie for a very long time, and finally we got one here. And uh, I, I have to admit, I've, I've read some of the book. I've, I've, I have trouble reading the, these, these books for some reason. I'm not sure why. Uh, but I, I want to get back into trying to read some of these Edgar Rice Burroughs older books. Some of them I've read, but I haven't read John Carter stuff. So I went into it without very much knowledge. I mean, I knew the basics of the story, uh, but I didn't know, you know, how much they would translate over and, and so forth. The bottom line, uh, I'll give you the bottom line to begin with, for me at least. I thought the movie was really good. I, I think it's a lot better than I've heard. The reviews are kind of all over the place. I've heard some really great reviews, and then I've heard and seen some some not-so-great reviews. So it's a bit of a mixed bag, uh, although early on I was hearing a lot of good reviews, and then now it's hearing, eh, mixed or whatever. But I, I, I'll, I'll talk about that a little bit, and I'm going to try to keep this pretty spoiler-free. The movie only came out a couple of days ago. I won't reveal uh, you know anything more than you could probably see in the trailers for the um for the movie. Basically, it tells the tale of a, of a guy named John Carter from Earth who gets magically sort of in a way, and I won't go into that of how that happens, but he ends up on Mars, and he gets involved in a, in a battle uh, there. Obviously, again, you see that in the trailers. He, there are a couple of warring factions uh, and things going on there that he becomes involved with, and because he's from Earth and he's on Mars, you can again see this in the trailers, but he has almost Superman type abilities. He he can leap really high, nearly fly. Uh, he is very strong, uh, very tough, obviously, and it, there are some really good effects and and, and cool uses and and scenes for that. Uh, although I will say it's a little inconsistent at ter- certain times in the movie. Nothing bad, but uh, you'll know what I mean if you see the movie. Uh, and uh, it's not a big deal. A couple of tiny little moments. But uh, but anyway, that uh, that's sort of the overall kind of concept of the story, and the uh, the thing about you know you got to keep in mind when Edgar Rice Burroughs wrote these books, you know we didn't know a lot about the about Mars, but he can obviously breathe and has no trouble on Mars very well, and they don't uh, they don't even which surprises me, and again you can see this in the trailers, they don't even make it look super uh, red looking like it does obviously when some of the the Mars landers have taken images and, and you know, the, the classic red planet look 
uh, to it. They, 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 it looks alien enough, and I don't. I'm not saying this is a bad thing at all. I didn't want him to tint the whole, you know, frame and world the whole time he was over there red exactly. But I would have done a little bit of it. I think if I was working on this again, not a big, big thing. But I thought that I really got caught up in the story. I think Taylor Kitsch is that how you say his name? He's done a lot of stuff, a lot of sci-fi. I used him as a hunk of the day the other day on on the hunk or slash babe of the day picks that are on treksinsci-fi.com. He he was a gambit in the Wolverine movie. He's going to be in that Battleship movie coming out later this summer. He's uh, he's really been popping up in a lot of things, and I and I think he really fits the role of John Carter here very well. I, he's kind of, he, he does the, he, you know, the he's transported to Earth around the late 1800s. So he has that sort of uh, old-fashioned kind of uh, speech and, and style to him a little bit, very kind of respectful. Uh, you know, he says, yes, ma'am, to uh, the princess there of Mars that he meets in the movie and, and so forth. So uh, it's... Uh, it, it's very cool and kind of a throwback, very romantic adventure type of a film. Uh, and, and on top of that, there are some great creature effects. Uh, he has this little uh, friend that he meets up with. And again, I don't think you can kind of see him in the previews, but let's just say there's a very uh, man and his dog kind of relationship that goes on in this movie that I really enjoyed because I'm a big dog person. So um, that I enjoyed. Uh, it was pretty funny in, in parts. And so there's a little humor. You don't see much of the humor aspect. It's not over the top. There's just a few moments where we were, uh, my son and I went to see it on Friday, and we were laughing pretty good at a couple of points. But it's a, it's pretty serious overall. Uh, again, I think this is a, a kind of an epic adventure. I think it's a lot of fun to see on the big screen. We only saw it in normal viewing, not 3D. Didn't want to spend the extra money. Maybe it's worth it. Maybe it's not. I don't know. I'm not even going to really talk about that anymore. <laughs> to me, I don't. I don't think it's worth. It, it doesn't add. I. You know. I want to see if a movie's good enough to stand on its own. I don't need 3D. So, but uh, John Carter. Uh, if if you know action adventure and a romantic adventure, kind of a throwback to the maybe first Star Wars movie in a way with. Uh, a guy, a hero, kind of an unlikely and kind of not really wanting to be a hero, gets caught up in this big war and things that are going on. Uh, if that appeals to you, you know, go see it at the theater. Uh, a couple of people on the forum were asking if it's appropriate for uh, kids. It, you know, I think it is rated PG-13. There's there's obviously a significant amount of violence in the movie. Nothing, I think, uh, you know, it's it's... It's fantasy violence. It's science fiction violence. So it's not like, you know, a guy, uh, you know, getting gunned down on the streets of New York or something like that. So I, I feel that puts it into a different category for kids. Uh, it, there is no real foul language of any kind that I that I recall in the movie at all. It, I don't think they even say some things, a lot of stuff you can say on TV these days. Again, he's he's from the late 1800s. He's from the South. He doesn't he doesn't speak like that, so it wouldn't have fit. Uh, it, but again, I th I think this is a great movie. I, I'm really impressed by it. I, I hope it does well enough to. It, it certainly is set up for a sequel. There's nothing really dangling or anything like that. But I just mean there are a series of books by Edgar Rice Burroughs with uh, the character of John Carter, so they could certainly do further adventures here. I know it cost a lot of money to make, so. Uh, you know, maybe we'll get lucky and get a sequel. I feel that that would be fortunate. I would like to see another movie in this in this um, world that they created here. And uh, again, I think the movie is a lot of fun. And if you like this kind of stuff, you know, go check it out. And again, I think Taylor Kitsch especially 
for me and and the the Lynn Collins is her name who plays Deja who's who's this princess and a woman who who fights for what she believes in very princess leia like let's just say and she is uh she's good she is good with a sword as good with a sword as John Carter is so uh We'll leave it at that, and she she gets in there and, and does you know even though she's a princess she doesn't mind getting her hands dirty so uh, so there's my uh, kind of fairly spoiler free review of John Carter again I, I I was very impressed I was I thought it would just be so so average or whatever but I, I definitely give it a, a, a couple notches above that in in my opinion so uh, hopefully uh, if that was uh, if you were undecided and maybe maybe I've helped you. Uh, decide on it one thing that people have been saying and i will kind of agree with the movie's a little longer maybe than it needs to be i think it's a little more than two hours like two hours and 10 minutes maybe around there and i think they could have easily trimmed maybe about 10 minutes and made it a tighter movie nothing bad but again i i think there's 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 room to tighten it up a bit and nothing again terrible but i i think there are some people saying it's too long meh i I don't, I don't, that doesn't really ever bother me much with the movie, so it didn't bother me that much here, but I will say that I could see their, their reasoning behind those comments. So I'm going to take a short break. I'll come back with a, a little bit of uh, other talk, TV, Trek, and things, and then we'll get into the uh, TOS episode. Hi, I'm Rick. And I'm Amy. And we're the co hosts of Take Him With You, a podcast that's like a reality TV show, but it's not. Come get the juicy details of our life here at the Moyer household. Including geeky technology updates. Movie and TV reviews. And a discussion on a life situation where you get to share on Facebook and Twitter through the impromptu question of the week. Plus cool music and our spiritual perspective. So after you're done listening to Rico here at Trex in Sci-Fi, which by the way is an awesome podcast, two thumbs up from us. You can join us at takehimwithyou.com and listen to our podcast. Join us for the Take Him With You podcast, your weekly dose of reality in a good way. Hopefully a good way. Yeah. That's that's the point. Yeah. All right, let's talk. Uh, let's talk TV. Uh, how about the Clone Wars? Let's talk about the Clone Wars a little bit. I, ha- I haven't talked about that that much uh, recently. Uh, I-, I enjoy the series, still watching, of course. Uh, you know, it's Star Wars every week. What do you want? Uh, the The big news uh, for these last couple of episodes of this season are they're bringing back Darth Maul, and I think I may have touched on this at one point, uh, maybe on a podcast. I know we've been talking about it on the forums a little bit. I'm not really a big fan of this idea. I saw the first of their two-part finale of the series. Uh, It aired this weekend. I won't give too much away, but I found this first part kind of drawn out, and I feel like, you know, they didn't... they, They... really spent a lot of time, I think, in this second to the the first part of the two-part finale. The second part will air next week. Uh, I, I just think that they... It could have tightened this episode up a lot more. They they spent a lot of time, let's just say, getting to Darth Maul, getting to that, uh, finding him and stuff. That I think they they kind of it just drew it out a lot longer than I think they needed to. But uh, I've enjoyed this season a lot. I think they've had some some really good episodes and some strong arcs. Uh, I think they've had some episodes that maybe were a little weaker. Um, I think I enjoyed maybe, I think maybe I enjoyed last season a little bit more, perhaps. I don't know. There's, there's been some good stuff this year too. It's always, the Clone Wars is a little, um, schizophrenic. Is that the right word? It's, 
you know, most seasons have kind of ups and downs in it a little bit. And, and I, I can understand, you know, that you can't have a dynamite, amazing arc or episode every week. Uh, and I think they still are limited in what they can do. You know, they're in this Clone Wars time period. We know what happens before it. We know what happens after it. So there's only so much suspense and so much uh, that they can do. You know, Anakin's not going to get like end up getting killed. You know, Obi-Wan's not going to end up getting killed. I mean, he's in the next, you know, he's in the last movie. He, you know, it, it's just, there's, it, it boxes them in, you know, the the one wild card or some of the other Jedi and like Ahsoka is especially a wild card about what could potentially end up happening to her. So, uh, but it's, it's great to watch. I think the animation is, is, is just really improved over the seasons that it's been on the air. And I, I, I love watching it. I, I love some of the lightsaber fights. For There was an episode a couple episodes back, or was it just the previous one? Maybe a couple back, where Anakin and Dooku have a, have a lightsaber fight, and uh, it was great. And I like Ventress when they bring her in. I, I just think some of the lightsaber fights and the, and the battles that they have with, um, you know, with different uh, enemies are really well done. I, I really enjoy that. It's almost like the animation and cinematics that they use for the Old Republic MMO game. I mean, it's a very just epic uh is the best way to put it i you know sometimes uh, you know matching or even maybe better than some of the stuff we saw in the movies and the prequels uh, except a couple of fights but uh i like that i like lightsabers i like fighting with you know the i i can pretty much watch two hours of, of a lightsaber fight it would be fine with me <laughs> i i just enjoy watching that kind of stuff speaking of that I didn't get a chance to talk about this, and this just reminded me of something of, of swordplay in that, but I'll slide it in here. I did see the, the that newer Three Musketeers movie uh, just recently, finally. I, I, it uh, it was one I wanted to see in the theaters, and I'm just going to give you a, a brief thing. I thought the movie was a lot better than I had expected it to be. I, I really enjoyed it, and I don't think I mentioned it on the podcast, and I apologize if I already did. Uh, I don't think I mentioned that because uh, I saw it pretty recently. So anyway, that uh, that's worth seeing, in my opinion. I, I enjoyed that. A lot of good swordplay there, too. So Clone Wars, just uh, uh, fun. And it looks like this last episode of the season, next week's episode, is going to be really cool. And uh, we're going to get a lot, of, uh, a lot of lightsaber fights like I like. <laughs> um, there isn't a, a huge amount of Trek news to talk about, uh, so I'm going to kind of skip by that. There haven't really been any more... Uh, big pictures or video or anything that's popped out online. Not, you know, it's been kind of a quiet week for that. So, we'll move into other other television. Uh, I'm very much enjoying uh, The Walking Dead. I've said that many times. The show is just amazing to me. I'm also watching this new show. That's, I don't know if it's really sci-fi or a fantasy or a genre television show, but I'm going to mention it. There's a new show on NBC on Thursday nights called Awake. The basic premise of it, they've had a couple of episodes so far. The premise is that there's a guy in an accident, a car accident. He's a policeman. He's in a car accident. And what happens is he has, after the car accident, he almost has two parallel lives or, or versions of his life going on. In one version of his life, his wife survives the accident. His wife and son and he are in this car accident. He survives, and in one version of the life that he sees after the accident, his wife is still alive. In the other version, his son is still alive, and it's sort of like he he can't tell whether he's dreaming or awake. Is one a dream? Is one the reality of a situation? They both seem very real to him, completely real to him, and there's actually things that happen and cross over sort of between the two. 
but it's a it's a very cool concept i'm not sure if they will ever explain why or how this is going on if it's just his delusional mind he's seeing these psychiatrists in both versions of his life and they're both saying to him pretty much that he's just he it's it's his way of dealing with his grief he dreams about his dead son in one or he dreams about his dead wife in the other uh and then he works on these police cases in between and there are crossover things that sort of help him between the two um lives that he's leading anyway it's called awake it's on nbc on thursday night give it a shot i i think it's an interesting show whether it'll stick around who knows and, and speaking of sticking around uh we got news this week that Fox finally pulled the plug and canceled officially, which I'm not surprised at. Canceled Terra Nova, uh, you know, a huge production that they started. Uh, you know, it was the it was the show about the future where the world and the Earth had kind of we had destroyed the planet pretty well, and they had a way to send people to the past. But the only place they could send them in the past was just plunk down in the middle of you know when dinosaurs were around, and you know that gave you kind of a Jurassic Park feel to it i think uh, steven spielberg was one of the executive producers i think uh anyway the show i think had a rocky start i felt uh, but the, it greatly improved as the episodes went on and there was a lot of stuff that new things that happened in the last couple of episodes that were very interesting and i think they could have definitely continued it there's talk that it might come back on another network uh, there was even talk Netflix might pick it up. Uh, who knows? We'll see if that ends up happening. I'd be kind of surprised if it does happen. It's it's not a cheap show to make, although they were talking about ways of making it a little less expensive. For one, they were going to move the shooting and, and that into the Los Angeles, into the California area, uh, instead of where they were filming it, which I think was in Australia. So, uh, But, uh, you know, another one of those shows, uh, short-lived you know, it'll be something I'll podcast about in the you know in a year or something. You know, sh- other short-lived sci-fi shows. We have the, we almost have the market cornered on short-lived TV shows. Speaking of that, you know, again, thanks to Meds last week for doing Brimstone. That uh, definitely encouraged me. And if you are a forum member, uh, hey, I'm just saying there might be in the members-only section on the forum some streaming episodes of Brimstone showing up. Possibly, I don't know where those could come from. Uh, joke joke but uh, <laughs> I have found a way since this show is not officially out on DVD but uh, it it has been shown on on various networks like space uh, the space channel I think which is a Canadian network so there are people who have recorded it and then made it available to people to watch and hey you know whoever produced the show well uh, you know maybe you should release DVDs and people wouldn't do that you know I don't feel that that it is all an illegal thing anyway you've you know people have just recorded it and they're sharing it with their friends so happen to be their friends online somewhere so um, and if you're not going to put on a, you know it's one thing to you know a, an official movie comes out on DVD or Blu-ray and then you go and grab it off the internet but if you don't have any other way hey I, I don't have a problem with it so uh, Brimstone yeah I, it's pretty cool and I'm, I'm starting to watch the episodes now after Med's very cool podcast last weekend. So I think I'm going to take one more break here, uh, and then we will come into uh, and talk, come back. I'll come back. Come into? What am I talking about? <laughs> we'll talk about the episode from Season 2 of TOS, Who Mourns for Adonis, in a moment here on Treks and Sci-Fi. Hi, my name's Kenny, and I'm a fanboy. Do you like Star Trek, Star Wars, Harry Potter? Do you consider yourself a brown coat or a twihard? Are you into cosplaying, LARPing, a furry? Can you speak Klingon or Elvish? Can you name all the doctors and their companions? 
Do you just love football or can't get enough of your favorite music group? Then this podcast is for you, Confessions of a Fanboy. Each episode, I sit down with a fanboy or a fangirl and discuss their fandom and how it affects their daily lives. Be it geeky, sporty, or musical, fandoms can span a wide range of people. So come subscribe to Confessions of a Fanboy on iTunes. Or visit us online at confessionsofafanboypodcast.com and take a listen to fellow fans talk about the love for their fandom. All right, here we're going to go talk about uh, this episode of TOS called Who Mourns for Adonis? Like I said earlier, this episode is for some reason one that I've seen many, many times of TOS, more than uh, a lot of episodes. And I don't know, again, why. I mean, back in the days of when it was being rerun on the air, it would be the episode that seems to pop up more often when I would sit down and watch, you know, and for some reason this this one, I know my brother and I... uh, (laughs) We used to quote lines from this episode quite a bit for some reason when we were growing up. It, there's just some really classic stuff in this episode that's that's both uh, makes it a good episode, but also makes it easy to kind of parody and make fun of to a degree. Uh, there's some good checkoff lines. Scotty has some good stuff in here. Uh, there's again, it's just a uh, a fun episode and a good episode, a solid episode but uh, a funny one in some ways too. There's also a lot of bloopers from this episode in the in the infamous now TOS blooper reel. So here's the here's the synopsis for those who are either unfamiliar with the episode, uh, I I find that hard to believe, but or who may just need a little reminder. Basically what what this is uh, an episode about uh, humans and gods. Uh, it, it has a very similar uh, message and tone to the, the, the final, or the, sorry, the Final Frontier film, uh, in in fact, and even a little bit of the first Star Trek movie to a degree. Uh, basically, the Enterprise is cruising through space. We get to meet uh, a new crew member, a, a woman named Lieutenant Carolyn Palamas, who is sort of a historian, and uh, she is on the bridge giving a report to uh, Captain Kirk at the beginning, and uh, as they're approaching this planet called Pollux 4, there is this big hand that appears and kind of captures the Enterprise. So uh, I'm going to talk about this as I go through. We're not going to play the whole episode for you this week. Uh, I thought I would just grab some clips this time out. So uh, let me play the the first clip. Uh, Before I do that, though, uh, just give you some other background information. This is, I think, the uh, fourth produced episode uh, of season uh, two for TOS. I think it was the second one aired for that season. It first aired on uh, January, sorry, January, September 22nd, 1967. It is written by Gilbert Ranston. I'll tell you a little bit more about the writing, a little behind it uh, later. Uh, also directed by a, a seasoned TOS uh, director, veteran Mark Daniels. So here's the first clip that I've got for you from this episode called Who Mourns for Adonis? Why, Bob? Scott is a good man. And he thinks he's the right man for her, but I'm not sure she thinks he's the right man. On the other hand, she's a woman. All woman. Mm. One day she'll find the right man, off she'll go, out of the service. Mm-hmm. I like to think of it not so much as losing an officer as gaining... Come on up. Actually, I'm losing an officer. Entering standard orbit around Pollux for sir. Cartographic detail, stand by. Standing by, sir. Preliminary reports, Mr. Spark. 
Pollux 4, Class M type planet, oxygen, nitrogen, atmosphere. Sensors indicate no life forms. Approximate age, four billion years. Judge, no reason for contact. In all respects, quite ordinary, Captain. Cartographic sections, implement standard orders. All cartographic scanners, full automatic. Captain? What in the name of... Analysis, Mr. Spark. Momentarily. Am I seeing things? Not unless I am, too. Captain, that thing's a giant hand. What is it, Mr. Spark? Is it uh, a hand? Negative, Captain. Not living tissue. A trick, then? A projection? Not a projection, sir. A field of energy. Hard about. Hard about. We can't seem to get away from it. It's almost as if it means to grab us. Reverse all engines. All engines, reverse. Still, Captain. Helm doesn't answer. We can't move. Yeah, the uh, one thing that's uh, a little different about this episode, we have um, this new uh, character, Carolyn Palamas, uh, who is sort of uh, being. Uh, wooed a little bit and uh by scotty which uh, you know scotty gets a couple of the girls it's not always kirk uh and and this time at least he's he's kind of interested in, in Kara, lieutenant palamas carolyn uh, and you know is wants to have coffee with her and, and gets to know her a little bit so that figures into this episode a little bit in a few ways uh she is uh the actress here very beautiful actress uh leslie Parrish is playing lieutenant palamas and the the main guest star in this episode is an actor named uh, Michael Forrest. He has done a lot of uh, stuff over the years, television, films, and so forth. Um, I'll give you a little bit of background on on him and their their search for um, for this character for Apollo. In this case, they actually originally the the producers wanted uh, actor John Voight for um, the role of Apollo. However, he wasn't available at the time. He was working on another project. Uh, and then the producers decided that they wanted someone who could uh, either, who was English or, or could do an English dialect. Because they thought that it would help if they had sort of uh, some Shakespearean theatrics to pull off the Apollo role. You know, not in a way unlike, you know, looking for a Patrick Stewart, perhaps, uh, you know, type of actor, type of character for playing Apollo. They wanted to find someone from England at first, but then they decided, you know, they would shoot around at some Shakespeare festivals in the United States and in California. Uh, the head of uh, the theater group uh, that they were looking at at the time, they recommended Michael Forrest, who was in Hollywood. He was making some films. He was doing some work there. Uh, they called, brought him in for an audition, and one of the th first things they had to ask him to do, because as you notice in this episode, he pretty much is shirtless or nearly shirtless, 
with a little bit of fabric across his shoulder on one side. Uh, but they had to have him take off his shirt. They wanted to make sure they... they the, the, the thing, if people out there listening to the podcast know, they're, they're Greek myths and some of, uh, you know, not just Greek myths, but Romans and stuff... They, the, the gods of old, you know, and all the statues that have been created and paintings that have been made, the Greek gods were most of the time, for the guys at least, except in, in some certain cases, uh, uh, like uh, Hermes maybe and stuff, they, they were fairly muscular. They were, they were not just muscular, but kind of had that Rubenesque quality, if you know what that is. is they were big. They were, they were big guys and, you know, not the muscular that we have these days with very, you know, six-pack abs and very toned look. But muscular, uh, not flabby, but uh, just built, built kind of guys. A George Reeves or, you know, 50s Superman type of, uh, of a character with a barrel chest and, a, you know, big shoulders and arms and stuff like that. So they needed a guy who could portray playing basically a god in this episode. And so they, when they brought Michael Forrest in, they said, hey, Michael, take off your shirt. <laughs> and he's like, uh, okay. Uh, I didn't know it was that kind of TV show, so... But he did, and they were impressed with his with his build enough. And he's a, he's a pretty good good sized guy in this episode. Definitely has the arms and and, and chest for this kind of a con like look and character. Uh, but anyway, they had asked him because they were looking for an English guy, an English accent. So they said, "Hey, Michael, can you do a British accent for us?" And he de- he decided, "Nope, nope, I can't do that. I'm not. I wouldn't be able to pull that off." So he sort of changed his voice a little bit. They called it like a mid Atlantic accent, and and he he that's the way he played it. So his voice in this episode isn't quite his normal voice, but they uh, they they decided that uh, that it would work. Um, the uh, again the episode starts off with he he kind of grabs the Enterprise in space. They're at this planet, and then he is um, saying that he's this god Apollo. Uh, I I I've uh, the the. St- story behind the title of the episode you know why isn't it called who mourns for apollo uh basically the uh the story it, let me see here i had it down written down somewhere here the episode uh adonis or who mourns for adonis is uh the title is, comes from a thing called adonis and an elegy on the death of john keats by shelley and there's a line in it uh line 415 on that that says, who mourns for Adonis? And Shelley's Adonis is derived from Adonis, a male figure of Greek mythology who is associated with fertility. Also, Adonis would be the English plural of the Hebrew noun. So it would mean, who mourns for the gods? In essence, it sort of gets translated to, who mourns for the gods? And the whole premise of this episode is that the some of these Greek gods that came to Earth thousands of years ago were, were really perhaps aliens who could do these, uh, had these abilities that were well beyond, you know, the simple people that lived in, at that time on Earth, who were not not really God or gods, but, but just very advanced aliens. And that is an ongoing and very running theme for Gene Roddenberry's Star Trek, too. You know, he, he felt that a, a lot of myths and, and religious beliefs and things over the years were just people's being sort of superstitious, people being uh, impressed by by certain things. You know, Arthur C. Clarke has this classic uh, quote that goes around, you know, that uh, any sufficiently advanced uh, technological civilization would be viewed by, you know, sort of, and I'm paraphrasing this a bit, but would be viewed by magic by sort of a lesser civilization. So what Apollo, what Michael Forrest's character can do in this episode 
is is sort of created from technology, but to a simple person or a simple sheep herder 5,000 years ago on Earth would be seen as sort of a, a, a god. And, and that, uh, you know, but Kirk and his crew don't really f take it that way. You know, they have a starship that can fly through space. They've come a long way. So they've, this doesn't really impress them so much anymore. Uh, let me play another clip for you. This one is when pa Apollo threatens the Enterprise, uh, I think, when Kirk doesn't exactly bow down and start praying to Apollo. Release this ship. You have the same fire, how like your fathers you are. Agamemnon, Hector, Odysseus. Never mind the history lesson, release the ship. You will obey me, lest I close my hand, thus. External pressure building up, Captain. 800 GSC and climbing. Compensate. 1,000 GSC and climbing. It's becoming clinical, Captain. We can't handle it. All right, whatever you're doing, turn it off. You win. Pressure's gone, Captain. Space normal on hull. That was your first lesson. Remember it. Captain Kirk, I invite you and your officers to join me. But do not bring that one. The one with the pointed ears. He is much like Pan, and Pan always bored me. No sad faces. This is a time to rejoice, not to fear. You are returning home. Let your hearts prepare to sing. Let's go, Bones. Yeah, so he threatens the ship and he gets a... Uh, uh, a group of them, Kirk, McCoy, Scotty, Palamas, and, and Mr. Chekhov, uh, who has his very uh, uh, big wig on in this episode that was uh, probably have mentioned it at some point on the podcast in the past. But the early episodes when Chekhov shows up in season two, they put this wig on him. And this is sort of fresh in my mind. They put this funny, funny wig with really long hair on Chekhov to make him look like uh, the monkeys, Davy Jones. Davy Jones was very popular at the time, and so were the Beatles, and and that. And so they had this very young Russian character that they put on the show to appeal to the younger audience, and they put this funky wig on him to give him really long hair. And in since Davy Jones just passed away very recently, I thought I would mention that uh, big fan of the monkeys, but Chekhov had his Davy Jones style wig on in this episode. Uh, and eventually they lost, uh, they didn't lose it, but they, they, they quit using it after uh, a few episodes into uh, Chekhov uh, starting on Star Trek and on the Enterprise. They, they eventually said, no, this, this is kind of dumb, let's get rid of it. I'm sure that uh, Walter Koenig got tired of wearing the stupid thing, I, I would imagine. So and they eventually it just was his own hair that you saw in the later episodes. Um, this was uh, most of the episode on the planet, you know, when he brings down the group of them was on an indoor studio set. Apollo's uh, uh, temple that they constructed 
you know, making it look very Greek, uh, Greek temple with uh, some statues around, a liar sitting there next to him, a little throne for Apollo to sit on. They do a nice job. You know, it has that sort of, I think this is one of the cases where it doesn't look exactly natural and real, but it, it works because this is something that Apollo has created here for them to worship him at, this little mini temple that he's got here set. So, uh, uh, and Leslie Parish wears just this amazing, you know, very light and uh, beautiful costume in this uh, that was designed by Bill Thies, who worked on the original costumes and uniforms on Star Trek. And eventually, the interesting thing about her costume that she wears in this, it eventually shows up. She wears it again, uh, and uh, it's it's funny. She gets to wear that same uh, dress again in an episode of Mannix uh, that's called The Girl in the Frame uh, from 1968. So that's kind of a little sidebar there. Um, what else? Uh, I think we'll play another clip for you now. I think the next one is when they're um, first meeting up with Apollo on the planet. Search your most distant memories. Those of the thousands of years past, and I am there. Your fathers knew me, and your father's fathers. I am Apollo. And I am the Tsar of all the Russias. Mr. Jack. I'm sorry, Captain. I never met a god before. And you haven't yet. Readings, Doctor. Simple humanoid, Captain. Evidently not so simple. Earth, mother of the most beautiful of women in the universe. That at least has not changed. I am pleased. Yes, my children, Zeus, Athena, Aphrodite, Artemis, a gallant band of travelers. We knew your Earth well 5,000 of your years ago. All right, we're here at your invitation. Would you mind telling us what you want without all the Olympian generalities? You will not leave this place. Transporter room. The transportation device no longer functions. Enterprise, come in. I will not permit that device to work either, Captain. What is it you want? You will worship me as your fathers did before you. If you want to play God and call yourself Apollo, that's your business. But you're no God to us, mister. I said you would worship me. And you've got a lot to learn. And so have you. Let the lesson begin. Welcome to Olympus, Captain Kirk. So, Scotty is, uh, you know, Apollo makes these advances throughout this episode to um, Lieutenant Palamas, to Carolyn, and Scotty is not happy about that. He gets zapped a few times uh, by Apollo's wrath and sort of an electrical charge like an, a lightning bolt. He blasts Scotty a few times, even though Kirk finally, you know, tells him not to do it, and then he does it again. Uh, it's uh, it's pretty funny, and they they do a nice job with the stunts there. There's one where where uh, Scotty gets flipped to the side, kind of, and it's a stunt double you playing him, but you can't really tell. I think they did a good job. He uh, he had this harness to pull him back, uh, mounted on him, and uh, 
you don't really see it. So um, the uh, let's see what else there. I'll give you some more background here before I play another clip. Um, the temple again I talked about. It's a Greek temple. They've uh, they they constructed it for this. They had some swaying trees actually in the background. If you watch the episode, there are um, people. Uh, hands studio hands that are actually back there moving the trees around during this to try to make it look like uh there's wind blowing and there's some wind effects and birds playing that they have some sound effects uh, so again it works there uh, one thing that i enjoyed about this it has the classic case of kirk on the planet with spock back in command of the enterprise spock trying to solve the problem up there so they they interspersed between the two places. Most of the clips I think I gathered, I focused on Apollo and on the planet with Kirk and everyone. And, and I left most of the Spock stuff out of the clips that I gathered. But I, I like seeing that. I, I think it's a good, it shows how the, the, the team of them works well, even when they're not together. You know, Kirk confronting this, this you know, super being, the super alien here, and Spock kind of working uh, to help him behind the scenes to break through the barrier to break through this thing that's holding them stuck in space and to be able to communicate with the captain again. It's uh, it's a good combination, and, and it happens several times on, on TOS, and it works out that way, and it works well. In this case, you know, Apollo didn't want to want uh, want Spock down there with him because he reminded him of Pan, and Pan always bored him, you know, with the pointed ears and the flute and stuff. So, um uh, I think that's uh, good more uh, good enough for background. Let me give you uh, another clip. Apollo. We're willing to talk, but you'll find we don't bow to every creature who happens to have a bag of tricks. Agamemnon was one such as you, and Hercules. Pride and arrogance. They defied me until they felt my wrath. I would like to point out that we are quite capable of some wrath ourselves. I have 430 people on that ship up there. No, you do not, Captain. They are mine. To save, to cherish, or to destroy at my will. But why? What you've said so far makes no sense at all. How like Aphrodite and Athena, the beauty, grace. You seem wise for a woman. What is your name? Lieutenant Palamas. I mean your name. Carolyn. Carolyn. Yes, you are beautiful. You would do Aphrodite credit. I will tell you a thousand tales, stories of courage and love. You will know what it is to be a goddess. Leave her alone. You protest. You risk much. And so do you. Yeah, so there is this uh, idea here that uh, that the his extra organ that Apollo has is somehow you know enabling him to channel this energy this power and and give him these abilities like a god almost and that uh, you know it's a reasonable assumption they don't have much to go on one thing that's a little inconsistent in this episode is apollo messes around with their their phasers their communicators 
But he doesn't ever really seem to, even though he says, you know, he has a line in the episode that says something like, none of your devices will function. But he doesn't take out their tricorders. You know, he, he's he's not obviously a perfect god. He doesn't, you know, he's not really messing around with the Enterprise and what they're trying to do to break through, break free and, and, and that. And he, he kind of only goes halfway. Well, you know, one of the things I was thinking as I was watching this again is that... Uh, Maybe he's a little distracted by the beauty of, of Carolyn, of Lieutenant Palamas. So he's kind of like, yeah, you know, you guys, I'm a god. I'm arrogant. I, I, You can't really touch me. You can't bother me. I don't have anything to worry about. So I, I zap your phasers. I zap your uh, communicators so they don't function. But the tricorders and it allows you to help you learn a little bit about me and my abilities. Ah, you guys are, are just these simple sheep herders. You're not going to hurt me. So... Uh, I, I'm okay with that. I don't think it really it makes him look stupid or anything. I think he's he's just this arrogant alien that uh, doesn't feel like these these pitiful you know little humans could stop him or hurt him. He has a lot of cue in him, you know. When you think about it, he's not a jokester or a trickster or anything like that. He's he's more straightforward, but he he also believes he, he has a very big ego. Let's say <laughs> he believes all uh, you know in himself quite a bit. So. Uh, uh, again, the uh, I think there's a lot of similar things in this episode that happen in other times in TOS. Uh, there's a lot of sort of uh, like Spacey, the Khan episode. A lot of that, you know, you have uh, you know you have an, uh, a woman crew member who kind of gets swept off her feet by this, you know, very just dashing and heroic looking and and just very uh, powerful. Uh, character that uh is kind of makes her swoon i think anyway uh, but uh so there's uh there's a lot of that and I, I enjoy greek mythology quite a bit i really enjoyed that section when i was taking humanities in college so so this episode uh really kind of uh was fun for me to see uh, uh one thing i wanted to mention michael forrest uh, i was saying earlier how there are bloopers from this episode seek those out you can find them on youtube and a lot of places online but he hated that costume he was wearing, that gold uh, little uh, thing that swung over his shoulder on one side and then just had this short little skirt kind of thing. It's very, you know, Greek mythos looking and, and, and that. And he's got the little uh, grape leaf kind of crown thing on and all that. But he hated it. So you'll see scenes where he's playing with it and, and the skirt as he's sitting down on his throne and he's acting kind of prissy and, and funny. It's it's very funny to see this big, very strong-looking guy who who's acting so silly in this costume because it's very much unlike he acts as Apollo. But he, he didn't really like the costume very much, so he, he, was, he was just teasing and having some fun with it. And it, there are actually quite a few uh, bloopers from this episode in the blooper reel. Another reason probably why I've seen this one so many times. Uh, I think it's time for another clip. Come in. Kirk to Enterprise. Come in. Kirk to... What's happened to her? Scotty, I'll find out. Uh, perhaps if I assisted. How old are you? 22, sir. Then I'd better handle it. You all right? Oh, yes, I'm all right. I have a message for you. Come over there.
He wants us to live in peace. He wants to provide for us. He'll give us everything we ever wanted. And he can do it, too. All right, Lieutenant, you can come down from Mount Olympus now. You've got work to do. I don't understand. He thrives on love, worship, attention. Yes? We can't give him that worship. None of us can, especially you. What? Spurn him. Reject him. You must. You're special to him. Yes. I love him. Lieutenant. All our lives, here and on the ship, depend on you. No, not on me. On you, Lieutenant. Reject him and we have a chance to save ourselves. Accept him. And you condemn all of us to slavery, nothing less than slavery. We might never get help this far out. Or perhaps the thought of spending an eternity bending knee and tending sheep appeals to you. Oh, but you don't understand. He's kind, and, and he wants the best for us. And he's so lonely. What you ask would break his heart. How can I? Give me your hand. Your hand. I'll feel that. Human flesh against human flesh. We're the same. We share the same history, the same heritage, the same lives. We're tied together beyond any untie. Man or woman, it makes no difference. We're human. We couldn't escape from each other even if we wanted to. That's how you do it, Lieutenant. By remembering who and what you are, a bit of flesh and blood float in a universe without end and the only thing that's truly yours is the rest of humanity that's where our duty lies do you understand me yes yes i understand yeah that's kind of a longer clip but i think it's an important one you know kirk brings uh lieutenant palamas back into uh humanity and reminds her of her duty and that and there's a fun part of that uh, at the beginning where Chekhov's like perhaps I could be of some assistance captain captain and 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 Kirk's like how old are you 22 sir and it's like ah then I'll handle it <laughs> he's like yeah and yeah I'm gonna handle this woman over here okay Chekhov I got a little more experience you know I've had the green alien girls and stuff like that so uh so Kirk takes care of that and actually I think I think it's a good you know, good moment there between them that, you know, he brings her and says, you know, you, your connection to humanity, uh, you know, this guy's not really for you. He's an alien. He's like, whatever. And, and she's like, I love him already, you know, after 10 minutes. And uh, really, really? <laughs> Are all of the crew women on the Enterprise so easily infatuated? I I, I don't know. But uh, she comes back and, and if she eventually spurns and rejects Apollo and that sets the stage for what happens uh, towards the end of the episode and I think I've got a couple of clips here left uh, the next one here this one is when Spock finally breaks through with the help of Lieutenant Uhura and uh, is able to communicate with uh, Kirk and his his group on the planet Spock here Captain 
We've pinpointed a power source on the planet's surface which seems to have something to do with the force field. Is there a structure of some sort near you? There is indeed, Mr. Spark. The power emanates from there. Very good. How are you doing on the force field? We can negate sections of it, creating openings through which we can fire our phaser banks. Well, that ought to do it. Have Mr. Sulu lock all phaser banks onto the structure. Fire on my order only, and cut it fine. We'll be standing nearby. Captain. I would recommend a discreet distance. I'd love to oblige you, Mr. Spark, but we're not all together. Besides, we have Apollo to deal with. If that structure is the source of his power, I want to know where he is when we attack it. Kirk out. Bones, mm -hmm. do you think that mysterious organ in Apollo's chest could have something to do with the transmission of energy? Well, it doesn't serve any other purpose I know of. Captain, we've got to wait until Carolyn comes back before we fire on the temple. We don't know what would happen to her if he was suddenly attacked. She might get killed. Yes, I know. I know. Scotty, we'll wait. Yeah, so uh, there's a plan now. They, they've isolated, they think, where the, the power source or where Apollo is getting his power from is this temple area which kind of makes sense, and uh, there's a plan to destroy that, uh, and that, you know, hopefully will uh, will take care of the Apollo's abilities and turn him pretty much ordinary so he won't be a threat to them any further. Uh, there's a, a, a nice little bit in this, and it's sort of towards the end of the episode, but I, I'll kind of give you a prelude for that where, you know, he's, he's threatening them, he's stopping them, but, you know, the, the gods, you know, in, in quotes... When they when they came to Earth, they did so much for us that that there's sort of a little, you know, do we really have to do this? And there are a couple of different versions of, of how this was going to go down. Uh, they eventually knew they needed to destroy his power source. Uh, they they had other thoughts of having uh, sort of negotiating their way out of this with the help of both Spock and Kirk, negotiating their way out of it with with Apollo. To, in order to say, you know, we don't really need you anymore. We don't, you know, feel we are we're supposed to bow down to, you know, just a, a, a more advanced alien civilization. So so they, they were able to leave it a little bit less, you know, big like this where they're destroying him almost. But I think that, you know, in the end for television, this, this works maybe a little bit stronger, a little better. Uh, for this episode, I, I wanted to mention too that both Leslie Parrish and Michael Forrest, you know, the two main guest stars in this episode, are still around. Uh, Leslie Parrish really didn't do much acting after about the mid '70s, and Michael Forrest, though he he did you know tons of stuff. He's still working. He's like 80 years old, 82 years old, or something like that, and he still shows up doing stuff, doing voice work. He's doing a lot of voice work. He has a, a very a good voice, I guess, for doing that. He's working in a lot of video games these days, it looks like. Just a ton. Go over to IMDb and search for Michael Forrest, and you'll, you'll see just a ton of uh, voice work that he's been doing in the last several years. Uh, he actually turned up the last time on TV that I can recall, and I even recognized him. He still looks, uh, you know, really good for his age and, and, and looks very much like he does in this episode, you know, older, but very recognizable still. He was in the TV show Alias. Uh, he, he popped up in a little guest spot there. So uh, anyway, let me play uh, the next clip. I think this is when they when they finally put the smackdown on Apollo and, and, and blow up his temple or, or phaser it to nothingness, melt it down. Temple is his power source. Let's bring him back to it. Get to cover. Mr. Spock, fire those phasers. Captain, you're too close. Fire those phasers. That's an order, Mr. Spock. All phaser banks, fire. 
Activate. Warp pod to the shields. cherished you, cared for you. I would have loved you as a father loves his children. Did I ask so much? We've outgrown you. You asked for something we can no longer give. Carolyn. I loved you. I would have made a goddess of you. I've shown you my open heart. See what you've done to me. Has passed. There is no room for gods. Forgive me, my old friends. Take me. Take me. Yeah, so uh, Apollo tries to stop them. He doesn't have the power. The Enterprise has uh, got its shields up, phasering, and uh, a couple things to note. Uh, the enhanced uh, or the, the remastered episodes, when they did those, uh, and if you've got them on Blu-ray, they added some pretty cool new effects. And, and one of the things they, they stuck back in is when the Enterprise is firing its phasers, the hand is still around the Enterprise there, kind of holding it 
locked in space, and uh, which in the original episode, for some reason, the Enterprise is just shown shooting phasers, kind of a stock shot. Uh, and it's like, where's the hand? I mean, wasn't the Enterprise still being held by Apollo up in, up in you know, orbit about the planet or whatever? So, uh, you know, there's some cool, again, new new effects added for uh, this episode uh, in the enhanced uh, remastered versions uh, that they released. So, uh, And then uh, there's just one final clip here to play to kind of finish off the episode. I'll play that for you in a moment, uh, and then I'll come back with some final thoughts on this one. I wish we hadn't had to do this. So do I. They gave us so much. The Greek civilization, much of our culture and philosophy came from a worship of those beings. The way they began the golden age. Would it have hurt us, I wonder, just to have gathered a few laurel leaves? Yeah, so that's the episode Who Mourns for Adonis. A couple of final things. The uh, one little thing they uh, decided to not add in that they were going to put in the ending. Uh, there was a ending they were going to do where Lieutenant Palamas was going to uh, discover and find out that she was pregnant, pregnant by Apollo. And the uh, this idea actually was uh, taken from uh, taken by James Blish, author James Blish used this ending in his adaptation of the episode in the the book Star Trek Seven. Uh, it kind of went like something like this. Kirk says, uh, yes, Bones, is somebody ill? And McCoy says, Carolyn Palamas rejected her breakfast this morning. Oh, so is there some bug going around, Kirk says? And McCoy then says, she's pregnant, Jim. I've just examined her. What? Kirk says, you heard me. And then Kirk says, Apollo? Question mark. And McCoy says, yes, Bones, it's impossible. And McCoy says, Spock, may I put a question to this gadget of yours? I'd like to ask it if if I'm to turn in my sick boy, sick bay into a delivery room for a human child or a god. My medical courses did not include obstetrics for infant gods. So, I, I you know, that would have been a cool little twist or a cool, cool little idea in a way. You know, she, she got with Apollo and ended up having his baby. And, uh, you know, he kind of goes back to to the gods and, and, and vanishes at the end of this episode. But um, they didn't obviously use that. And this is, uh, you know, again, this episode very much similar to what they cover in Star Trek V, the Final Frontier film. Uh, it was also uh, the plot of something called Star Trek The God Thing. Uh, that was the uh, first uh, original idea Gene Roddenberry had for the first motion picture. Uh, so it's uh, it, the ongoing theme of advanced aliens coming to Earth and, 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 and seeming to be like gods, and us later on, you know, through Starfleet and, and that. And it happened in TNG as well, meeting up with these advanced beings that... Uh, perhaps seeded some of the galaxy with the, with uh, their genetic material, perhaps. Also visited the Earth in the earlier days. Uh, uh, you know, very cool idea and cool concepts. Again, a, a very, I think, enjoyable episode. Good guest cast, very, very solid uh, actors. And I uh, enjoy this one quite a bit, and I, I wanted to cover it for all of you. So I'm going to take a very short break. I'll come back with a couple last things, and we'll wrap up this week's edition of Treks in Sci-Fi. 
Hey, this is Larry Nimichek, and I too survived the Con of Wrath. In fact, we're even making a movie about it. And you're listening to Rico on Treks and Sci-Fi. Okay, I thought this week I would talk about a couple of collectibles. Uh, not things that I own yet, but soon, I hope. Uh, the first one is uh, from the um, series Firefly and Serenity. Uh, they're QMX Online, QMX Collectibles. I think QMXOnline.com. Just go there. They're doing a Malcolm, Malcolm Reynolds metal-plated pistol replica. This is like Mal uh, used on Firefly and Serenity. It's uh, a metal-plated plastic uh, piece, but it's it looks like it's going to be very well done. They did a, a, a metal-plated uh, Star Trek phaser from the 2009 film, which I think they did a great job on. The nice thing about these collectibles is they look really cool. They look great. They don't have any functionality. There's no lights or sounds or anything like that. But they, they have a heft to them, a heavy weight to them, and they, they have a very nice detailing and look like the piece. But they're not super expensive. The, the, the Star Trek Phaser, for example, I think was only about $50. The Mal, Malcolm Reynolds pistol is listed on their site right now for $80. Uh, you can pre-order it. It's expected to ship next month, sometime in April is the target. Uh, I know uh, there's a couple other places you can find these two to order them from online. And the other place that I wanted to mention, there's a new place called Bye Bye Robot, Bye Bye B Y E B Y E Robot.com, that's doing a new line of fine art from uh, Star Trek, Star Trek Fine Art. They've got a Gorn, an Enterprise, a Tribble piece. Uh, it's really nice stuff, and you can get a couple different versions and types of it, different pricing. Some of it's pretty expensive, a few hundred dollars, but this is a uh, high end art. So, you know, that's, that's what high end art costs, I guess. But they've got some nice stuff. So take a look at both of those sites and check it out. Uh, I, I, uh, I'm excited to, uh, to see how the Malcolm Pistol and Reynolds Pistol, I was going to say before, they, uh, there's a site called Redford Films out there, redfordfilms.com, that you can order some collectibles from at a little cheaper cost. I pre-ordered a Mal Pistol from them. I think I got $10 less than the QMX site lists it for. So not a big difference in price, but I've been wanting to buy something from them for a while because they have a lot of usually good sales and things at Redford Films. So I thought I'd give them a shot on this one. See how they do. So I think that's going to wrap us up this week. Uh, I, I, this show um, should just about uh, do it, I think. There isn't anything else I wanted to talk about. Uh, I will preview next week. Next week, you're going to have a guest host. Uh, Jedi Jeff will be here. Our buddy Jeff from Canada is going to be here, and he will be talking about the movie Titan AE. And uh, a couple last things. Just always go to treksandsci-fi.com for the latest information and news. Join our forum, uh, and uh, you shoot me an email at treksf at gmail.com if you'd like to join the forum. Also, iTunes reviews, PayPal donations, everything there. All the links over at treksinsci-fi.com. So thanks, everyone, for listening and downloading. I hope you enjoyed this look at the TOS episode and the other things I talked about. And uh, that's about all. I'll talk to you in two weeks. I'll be back in two weeks with uh, an episode of Enterprise I'm going to look at in two weeks called Sleeping Dogs. So that's the next couple of weeks here on Treks and Sci-Fi. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. This has been a Rick Dosty podcast production. 